You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe and Smokewood Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. ProQ Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Mano Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out commandojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. I'm Dan and I'm here with my co-host Ben. Hello. And on today's show, we have Dan Toombs, a.k.a. The Curry Guy. Hi, Dan. Are you all right? Hello, how are you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, hopefully we're not going to get confused with too many Dans on the show today, but we should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to Do you want to just start off by introducing yourself and giving us a little bit of background about you and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm Dan Toombs. I um, started the Curry Guy blog about, well, in 2010, and uh, started writing, well, taking recipes and developing them at home. We spent about a year uh, making nothing but Indian food at home. And then uh, decided after I ended up getting picked up by a newspaper, and it made a newspaper, and ended up doing it for about another year. So uh, this, I've ended up writing a, a book, The Curry Guy, which is a lot of the recipes I learned and developed over the years, mainly from the UK British curry houses. Cool. And just to dive straight in there, when you say you ate just Indian food for a year, uh, did you... Did you cook many things twice, or did you manage to find enough sort of regional variations and, and different styles of I, each thing to manage to cook something different, or some things were a couple of times and, and stuff like that? Yeah, well, <clears throat> the way it worked out was uh, I was experimenting with recipes, and I might put one on my blog. See, I've been, I've been by that time, by the time I started the blog, I've been making Indian food for a good fifteen years or so, mainly the authentic stuff that you get from uh, from India, and I. Tried, you know, I was developing those recipes, trying to make them my own. Um, a lot of recipes I tried a lot of times. <laughs> so, you know, I might just tweak them a bit. Um, and then there are some that I didn't really care for all that much, and I made them once. Cool. So even a step back further then, wh- why Indian food? Uh, I come from California originally, and I really like Mexican food. That's been, that was my favorite. Um, I cooked a lot of it back then. And also a uh, lot of Chinese and uh, other Asian-influenced food while I was in California, but I'd never tried Indian curry until I moved over here. And uh, in fact, most of the curry, well, the curry that I tried first was at a curry house, so it wasn't authentic Indian curry anyway. It was more what was developed here. And I didn't realize that until you know a good few years. <laughs> the uh, things were different. There were you know I might have bought the cookbooks and was wondering why a korma didn't taste like a korma or a vindaloo didn't taste like a vindaloo. But over time, you you work it out and realize that these are two different styles of cooking and different ingredients that go into them. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people still probably don't realize that, and and I think that's something that maybe your your cookbook and and some of the stuff you do maybe helps people realize. And and I think and I think it's quite similar with Chinese food as well. Is 
is we've sort of adapted these cuisines to suit our... T- I find it with Thailand, I find it with sort of Thai cuisine here in the UK, uh, I find it to be almost like near enough two different things to actually what you get if you go to Thailand. And, and Yeah. And I think that's very similar with a lot of things. We we tend to make them our own, which is which is great in itself, but it almost they become their own sort of hybrids of the original version of them, which is cool. Exactly. I mean, when when curry houses started first started opening, uh, were becoming popular, like in the sixties, seventies, the ingredients that you needed to make actual authentic Indian cook uh, uh, food just weren't available. They were they were difficult to come by. So they might throw they might make a stew or something like that and throw some uh, curry powder in it. And there you had your curry. But um, over time, things have progressed. A lot of obviously m- most of the um, Indian restaurants here in UK are owned by Bangladeshis and also um, by Pakistanis that have moved here maybe um, two three generations ago. Started up their restaurants and now a lot of those are starting to cook more authentic food like they would like they would get back in Bangladesh or Pakistan um, and what we what we have what with the pop of the, the curries that they developed while they were here uh, which everyone just all of a sudden fell in love with um, those aren't very much like what you would get over there they're, 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 they're made to the British taste yeah and I think that's something that's great is that the that's I guess I would say like the average palate in the UK has changed and there is a lot more uh, a lot more willing to try things, try new things, to be a bit more adventurous. That's given them the chance to uh, venture out a bit into what they actually used to do and more of the traditional stuff and bring some of that stuff onto the menu, which is cool to see as well. Yeah, very true. I mean, one of the things that they did originally was they took all the meat off the bones. So that's why you have chicken tikka masala and you have you know, all, all these uh, nice curries that are cooked off the bone because people didn't want to get their hands dirty. <laughs> and now people, uh, as people's tastes have developed and they tried all, all the, you know, maybe 15 or so popular curries that are on the classic you know, part of the menu. Yeah. They're not trying to find things that are a little bit further out there that, that they've never tried before and they're finding that they like them. Am, am I right in saying like stuff like a korma and a vindaloo like those dishes aren't even dishes that are even called that maybe in India? Like are they just English names that we've given to that sort of curry? Well, there's a lot of things like that. For example, the, the vindaloo is nothing like an authentic Goan vindaloo. Um, it's, uh, the authentic Goan vindaloo is made with um, pork, and it's, it's you know sweet and sour, very nice. Um, obviously, um, the, the restaurants here, because they are run by, mainly by uh, Muslim uh, restaurateurs, they can't have the pork, so they start using lamb and chicken. And they knew that vindaloo, for example, was very spicy, so they made a very spicy curry. So it, it bears very little resemblance to the authentic vindaloo. And the same with korma. Korma is a, sty- a style of cooking. There's hundreds of different korma recipes. But the korma that we have here, this, the yellow, creamy curry, that doesn't look like any korma over in India. <laughs> awesome. I think even the word yeah. curry, like yeah. even down to the word curry, isn't even like a... It's a word that we no, it's, it's a, yeah. It's a, you, you know, you think about it, we're going to go out for a curry tonight. Doesn't mean you're actually going to eat a curry. It means you're going out for Indian food. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the way. Uh, a curry can mean a lot of different things. Um, it's usually a saucy um, recipe, a, a dish, but um, yeah, it's not. A, it's not a, a term that's used in the subcontinent very much. So, is your your book that the curry guy? It says in the like blurb for it that. 
you've perfected the art of replicating British Indian restaurants. So what do you think are the what are the key differences of British Indian to classic or traditional Indian? Yeah. A lot of it's the same, like the way they marinate the meat, that's very similar to what happens in the subcontinent. Um, but there are certain things that uh, you will definitely notice in a British curry house curry, which is a smooth sauce. So they use one base sauce for the majority of their curries. It's a very bland sauce. It doesn't taste like very much at all. It's just like a, you know, in a, in a, a kitchen at a fancy restaurant, they might have a big uh, stock pot of chicken, uh, chicken stock, you know, at the ready so they can make their sauces. Well, in a curry house, they will have a big stock pot of this curry base sauce, which is just thrown into everything from a korma right up to a fowl, spiciest curry. And uh, so that's one thing. There's just this, not a lot of lumps, you know, more authentic uh, cooking. You might just chop the, the onions finely with some chilies and everything and then let them break down, whereas the base sauce is already blended for a good four minutes. <laughs> so it's very smooth. Um, another, another change is... Um, just the things that go into them. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you'll have meat that's, like I said earlier, um, off the bone instead of on the bone. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the rest, a lot of the dishes that we know are, um, different, like I said, to what you find out in the subcontinent. So they might have been given a name, but they look nothing or taste nothing like their namesake. Definitely. And I guess one, an ingredient for me, when I first got into, I've always liked Indian growing up, go for a, go out for a curry. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always yeah. enjoyed it. But there was a, a curry that I used to have from a, cur- uh, like a curry house in Timworth, and it was uh, butter chicken, and I absolutely yeah. loved it, but I, I never really saw it like, anywhere else. And one day I like found a recipe for it. I think it was in Gordon Ramsay did like a Indian Escape or something like that, I think his book was called, and a, a herb or a spice, what was it, cardamom pod. I'd never, yeah. I'd never used it in any cooking before, but I found uh-huh. that, that completely like, transformed the flavor of the whole dish. That one element. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a strong spice. <laughs> if you like it, you're gonna love it um, in your curries. Um, and butter chicken is one of those that has really been, become popular lately. I mean, that is an authentic uh, curry that you get the continent. They started using some chefs started using a base sauce for it, and it tasted very much like a chicken tikka masala and with small chunks of chicken. Um, but many chefs nowadays are uh, using, you know, they might grill up some chicken on the bone and use the marinade in the sauce as well. So after the after it's marinated, they'll try and get as much of it off the chicken before uh, grilling it, and then they'll throw that into the sauce, which is really how uh, butter chicken started. Yeah, and it's still still it's one of our family favorites at home. The kids yeah. still absolutely love it. It's a, it's one of those dishes that everyone just seems to like it. It's kind of even people yeah. that maybe don't normally really like curry will like a butter chicken. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's not, it's not too spicy and it has a lot of flavor to it. And I had to throw, I had to have a recipe in my book, so I made sure to include it. <laughs> yeah, so you've got a butter butter chicken in your book. I do. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do, what do you know? Can you remember much of it off the top of your head? Is that putting you too much on the spot? <laughs> off the top of my head, well, I mean, the way the way it started, butter chicken started um, in a restaurant in uh, in Delhi, New Delhi, and um, the restaurant is the first the first restaurant to ever use tandoors in a, in a restaurant. 
there've been tan- people have been cooking with tandoors for you know probably thousands of years, but this was a place that we thought, okay, well, we're going to cook everything in a tandoor, and you know just serve these this really nice meat to our customers, maybe with a little bit of sauce. And what happened was it became a very very popular restaurant, and they, they were cooking this all this meat in the tandoor, and didn't want to waste any of the marinade. So they used all the, they probably just used one or two different marinades, and they used all that excess marinade, they'd throw that in the sauce, and then butter chicken was born. So they had that with the butter on top, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's how it started. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. With my my kind of spin, I guess, off of like my, I can't remember the exact recipe from when I started with Gordon Ramsay's book, but been going for a couple of years now but it always starts by like using like a yogurt as a base for the marinate that i'd marinate the chicken thighs in overnight beforehand um, oh yeah I, I try to marinate for a good you know day or so at least maybe even 48 hours yeah and but is, like you is say yogurt it has, usually it has, a base for the marinade yogurt yeah it has yogurt it's got a bit of cinnamon in there there's like cardamom pods like you uh mentioned earlier some of that um asian bay leaves which taste a lot like cinnamon uh, onions, sometimes carrot, garlic and ginger, and you mix that all up, put that, uh, put it uh, on the chicken, maybe with a little bit of lime or lemon juice, and just let it marinate for 48 hours. And uh, when you're when you're finished and you grill it, it tastes great. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned about like sort of a sort of tandoor style cooking, and, and obviously like a lot of us don't have tandoors in our home. So, what can we do to sort of replicate that that style of cooking that's so uh, fundamental in, in so many uh, sort of curry dishes that we have in the UK? One thing I found in, in going around visiting all these different restaurants and learning their recipes is that a lot of tandoori restaurants, they might call it tandoori restaurant, but they use their tandoors for the non-breads. They don't use it so much for the meat. Some places do, but a lot of places will have a grill inside the kitchen and they will grill on skewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, you know, there'll be one person just whipping up the nons in the corner, uh, using the tandoor. But the meats, I mean, you can you can get a really good and probably very um, recognizable flavor just by throwing it over the coals, <laughs> and it'll taste just like you like you get at a tandoori restaurant. Cool. So you can still achieve these great results. Very easy. Yeah. Very easy. Yeah. But do you think it's better even got, than even a tandoor, got, no. or you can't really tell? Sorry? But do you think it would be better with a tandoor oven, or do you think you can't really tell the difference? Well, it, it depends on the tandoor. There are a lot of uh, tandoors that um, uh, use gas, and you will get a smokier flavor if you do it over the coals, obviously. Well, not everyone likes a really smoky flavor. They just like to have a really good uh, uh, char on the outside and have it really be succulent inside, and you'll get that from a tandoor. And I don't. I wouldn't call it better, but um, yeah. I do. I do like using mine. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. When I first started out with the butter chicken that I do, I used to just do it in the oven. But the difference it makes just cooking that chicken on skewers over coals is just amazing. Yeah, it's just a, it completely transforms the dish, really. Yeah. Another thing you could do is you could take your marinated chicken and pan fry it, so you get as much of the the. Um, uh, marinate off of it as you can and you pan fry it and then heat up a, a piece of charcoal and when it's white hot ready to go you put it in the center of your pan 
put a little bit of oil over it, and then put the lid on, and that will taste very much like it's been in a tandoor as well. Just let it smoke for about ten minutes. Perfect. So, so what's your what's your personal favorite curry then? Well, my my personal favorites change all the time, especially in writing this book. Yeah, <laughs> the next the, the next one, but uh, I would still say my my one of my favorite curries right now is a uh, lamb nihari, which I learned while I was uh, is on the, uh, in Birmingham on the uh, Balti Triangle, and this wasn't a Balti, but uh, it was a very nice dish. Uh, lamb nihari is made with lamb shanks, and quite easy to make as well. It has a lot of flavor. Lovely. So that was the Lamb Nihari? Lamb Nihari. Nihari. Cool. N-I-H-A-R-A. <laughs> I, sorry. So your, your books, it's got like over 100 recipes, I think, and are they, are they all curry-based recipes? Have there, you got like desserts in there as well, or is it? We've, we've purposely left desserts out. I'm not a really big fan of uh, Indian desserts. I find them very sweet. But uh, with the first book, I decided to... Uh, uh, just focus on what the curry houses are famous for. So I have a grilling section in there. I've got all the sides, you know, like the rices and naans and chapatis and all that, and then quite a few different curries. And in my next book, I'm going to be doing pretty much the same thing. Um, we might throw in some desserts into that one. I'm not quite sure yet. But uh, it's going to be uh, a lot of – well, the next book's called Curry Guy Easy. So it's going to be uh, just a continuation of what I've done so far. But um, I'm trying to show, do a few shortcuts. Not, not. I don't want to. I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> you know, not uh, have, have the, the, the curries be as good as if you'd done them with ground spices. You know, ground spices and everything. But I've come up with a few ways that you can uh, make things up very, very quickly and make a curry hostile curry at home. You know, right after work, no problem. Yeah, and I think that is important because the. The butter chicken, I keep going back to the same thing again. Ben, stop going on about your butter chicken. But, um, Especially when it's not really nice. It is, <coughs> it is the nicest one you can have. But um, <laughs> So what I often get there is the problem is that I want to like marinate it all overnight and I want to do all that stuff. And the kids will quite often just go, like it's at three o'clock, they just go, can we have butter chicken for dinner tonight? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But it's not going to be as good. But you can do it. You can achieve it still. It's weird that yes, they'd yes, ask for it, to be honest. <laughs> Well, the thing about marinating, too, is it, it takes very little time to make up a marinade, and then you can just put it in the fridge and forget it for 24 hours, <laughs> and then you've got it all ready and made up. So it's not like a lot of work anyway, is it? No. So what you, you kind of mentioned before, but you, you talk about like toasting the spices and stuff like that. Is that an important stage in the process of making a curry? It, I think it is because I think that when you when you roast and grind your own spices, it does bring out the flavor. It brings out the aroma of the spices as well, which of course we eat not just through our our mouth but our eyes and our nose as well. So um, it does really make a big difference. However, saying that most commercial kitchens, you know, chefs will not use their own uh, roast and ground spices because it would just take too long, <laughs> too much time to prepare that much spice for the amount of people that they're going to be serving. So even if you do go and purchase commercial garam masala and, uh, you know, ready ground spices, you're not going to get as, as good of a flavor, but you're also, you are going to get a flavor that's um, good enough. <laughs> it's going to be very close to what you probably get anyway. Mm. So do you, in your book, do you talk about actually making up like a garam masala yourself or do you tend to uh, I recommend do, yes. people yeah. buy that themselves? 
I um, well, in my first book, I, I give a lot of recipes for ground spices and just different spice blends and how to do them at home. Uh, in the second book, I'll be you know I'll, I'll let people know that those are available in the first book, but and also on my website for that matter. Um, but um, that you can use commercial brands, and as long as you're using a good quality brand, you're going to get a you'll still get a very nice you know dish at the end. Awesome. I guess you can use that a lot of those ground up spice mixtures as rubs on different meats if you're going to use them on the barbecue you can. as well, couldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, it's perfect. So you don't even have to use the yogurt and stuff. You want to just rub some of that on, you know, some uh, a leg of lamb or something like that. It's going to taste good. It, it, it just it will. <laughs> you can't if you're making them yourself. It's going to taste really nice. How does it feel then to go from a, a blog back in 2010 to now? having like a book deal and, and it being so successful and because and, I know I actually know loads of people that have your book uh, I've seen it everywhere you search for uh, Indian or, or curry on Amazon and it's the first thing that comes up uh, how, how did that feel or to walk into Tesco's and to see your book on the shelves it must be a bit crazy I, I tell you it's, it's amazing really <laughs> just, uh, I'm still uh, I, I can't believe it it's uh yeah, obviously, when I was writing the, writing it, um, I didn't realize it was going to take off like it did. And I'm just really, really happy it has. I've had some great people, you know, people that have been following my blog for a long time. They've gone out, they've bought the book, and they're, they'll send me pictures of what they've done. And it just that's what that's what means everything. <laughs> you know, it just uh, I don't want it to end because um, it's it's not one of those things you even a publisher can can predict. You know, how well a book's going to sell. And uh, luckily, mine just seems to have um, taken off, and I've well, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. <laughs> so was that your kind of aim when you started out? When you started the blog, was it your aim is to get a book out there? No, no. My my aim at the time was just I was going to start. I wanted to perfect my own cooking skills in, in Indian food, and I also wanted to teach my kids. My kids were quite young at the time. I wanted to teach them how to cook, so I got them in the kitchen and started teaching them how to do all this stuff and as I was learning myself. And um, yeah, getting a book deal was just, it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> so it's, um, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a, a really nice bonus that um, I, I just hope continues for a while anyway, because it's, uh, uh, I love writing the blog, but writing a book is a lot more fun. <laughs> and do you still keep up to date with the blog all the time as well? Um, well, I do. I, I, I try to blog at least twice a week. And the last few weeks, I haven't done that because I've been really trying to finish this next book. Um, but once that's finished, I'm going to go right back to blogging. Because that's really how I, I, that's how I interact with people. So I, I'll put a, uh, a recipe on the blog and people might start writing and saying, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> or they might say, yeah, I love it. And it, it, it gives you a good idea of, you know, what, what is successful and what's not. And that has helped me with my first book because I knew just by the interaction I'd had with people what they wanted to have in that book. Definitely. Yeah. So, so uh, it's great yeah. recipe development, isn't it? You're actually getting everyone to test the recipes I, yeah, I, first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I find out before the book comes out. You know, I, I test them <laughs> on people and they say, yeah, okay, this is good. Or, no, it's not good. And, uh, you, for the most part, people the, people say uh, you know they, they, they seem to like everything. But I've even made, you know, I've made some stuff that I posted on the blog that I wasn't crazy about. And... Um, yeah, a lot of times uh, it's just too out there, you know. It's it's authentic. Uh, maybe uh, just kind of like a you know a fitted Greek pancake or something like that. That um, 
it tastes all right, but it's not it's not something that people are ready for yet. Yeah, sometimes guess, including yeah, myself. Yeah, maybe you don't like everything, but it doesn't mean it's yeah. not right for someone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of people will love it, and so yeah, I think well, okay, I'll give it a try. <laughs> Some top tips for people that are listening. Uh, so stuff like where where can they get sort of the a better range of spices or fresher spices from? Well, I always tell people to go to the Asian grocers. Um, there's there are usually uh, quite a few in the, the larger t- uh, towns and cities. Um, you'll get a lot more for your money there because, um, yeah, they, they, they a lot of these uh, Asian grocers, they'll sell to restaurants as well. So rather than just getting a small bag of uh, cumin seeds, which you use almost in every curry or and also marinade, you can buy a larger one, and it'll be half the price at the supermarket. So you just have, you'll have a lot larger selection, and not not only the the, the cost, but you'll get a large larger selection of things that you know, there, there are some things that are just are not going to be um, available yet in a supermarket. So you'll find them there. <laughs> Do you always advise buying whole spices if you can, and and then uh, toasting them and grinding them down yourself? I do, yes. I think roasting and grinding your spices is going to always uh, bring out a better flavor. However, don't let that stop you. If you can't be bothered to do that, don't let that stop you from cooking the recipes. You know, go out and buy some uh, ground cumin or ground coriander. One thing I found in, in testing recipes and all is you would think that if, okay, if I say to use three tablespoons of, you know, to roast three tablespoons of, of cumin, um, that if that were used in a, in a recipe, you'd think that, okay, it would be less than that in ground spices, but actually more. <laughs> you need, you might need four tablespoons of, of the cumin for a large batch of uh, curry because the, the, the flavor is more intense if you roast and grind yeah. the whole spices than if you go and purchase ground cumin that's been on the shelf for a year. <laughs> so marinades, you were saying earlier that you, you would marinate for at least, at least overnight, more sometimes. With, with chicken, yeah, with chicken, I marinate for about 24 to 48 hours. With meat, like a uh, lamb, uh, I can I'll marinate sometimes up to 72 hours. And with fish, you only need about 20 minutes. And do you, do you vac, vac seal marinate, or do you just marinate in, in a in a dish? Does the vac seal help? I, at all? Yeah, I usually just put it in a dish. Yeah, cool. I do have a vac seal, but I, I don't. Uh, I just uh, a lot of times I will wrap it up. Like if I'm doing a big lamb ron or something like that, a big leg of lamb. Uh, a lot of times I will. Um, wrap it up in plastic with the marinade but i i don't uh, vacuum seal cool. usually and are there any things that like that you would leave out of marinades or you pretty much try and impart all the flavors from the dish that complement the dish and, and just get them all in the marinade and and see are there things that you would deliberately avoid from putting in marinades nothing that i would avoid well i mean the obvious things you might avoid from, from the marinade but uh um i mean marinades are always um you can be they're not just there for flavor. They're there for, for um, tenderizing the meat a lot of times. So, you know, a good, I've found that the best way to, to uh, tenderize meat is with a dairy-based marinade. So that's going to be with um, uh, maybe a little bit of milk or a little bit of cheese and um, yogurt, of course, because that's what's used most. Cool. Um, but there's other things that will... Um, uh, tenderize if you use a, a, a very small amount of, and um, for not very long time like uh, citrus will will um, work but if you think about you know if you suck on lemon it's gonna it's, you, uh, 
it puts you, you know, your mouth kind of goes all <laughs> and everything. And that, that's what, that's what the, mat, the meat will do. So you only want to have that if you're yeah. using something like that. You I made the sure mistake. You have plenty of, I made a mistake yeah, about five, six years ago of uh, marinating some lamb. Ben's ears are packed up because he had oh, I made yeah, a mistake. I put some lamb in with some pineapple for uh, yeah. in an overnight uh, overnight marinade with some other stuff as well, like my normal standard things. And I took some pineapple in there and literally the meat was so, like it it just, basically like the acid, the sugars and stuff had just corroded the, the meat. It was like mush when you cooked it. Yeah. It was just like it had just overdone it. It like, so I, I learned that lesson uh, pretty, pretty on the hard way as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot. A lot of Indian chefs use the uh, use uh, papaya to yeah. dry the yeah, meat, but it yeah. does the same thing as pineapple. If you, it, it, it does too good a job. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> short in times. You, yeah, yeah, you want a very short time because it really it'll just eat through the the top layer of the meat and make it into mush. Yeah, this was only an overnight. It wasn't like even like a forty-eight, or it was just an overnight. And literally, yeah, the the lamb had turned to like mush. It was. Uh, we ate it still, don't get me wrong, but it was like, <laughs> had no texture at all. It was, it was crazy, actually. It was the first time that I'd really come across that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Also, so so the, the dairy side of it, I mean, I, I watched this thing uh, again a couple of years ago, and it was Heston Blumenthal, whatever oh. his name is, Blumenthal. <laughs> Blumenthal, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it was looking into marinades, and basically what he was looking into was, was what actually helps... Uh, tenderize and, and things absorb flavor and what he actually decided in that i believe was was fat mm. so it was fat. stuff like dairy dairy items and things like oils like olive oil and stuff like that can be good yeah, in a marinade yeah. uh, but what he actually found in, in it was that the the dairy items i think it was yogurt was actually like even like 50 percent better than than using oils and stuff what about fat-free yogurt well that's that's yeah that, that, this is where i'm going with it mm. is that uh so so basically, like we a ton of yogurt in our family, and uh, we've recently, again a couple of years ago, switched to eating like a fat-free version of uh, Greek yogurt. So just because it was yeah. such a big part of our diet, and we eating so much of it, it was a place where we thought we could maybe save some calories. So we went fat-free, but every time I I go to marinate something, I go and buy a, a full-fat yogurt. Uh, right. Because of that one thing that I always remember that that Heston program saying that it's actually the fat in the yogurt that that actually uh, is like the key part of the the uh, marinade. So, yes. is is that something that you would you be able to shed any more light on that? Is that is that correct or am I? Well, that, that, that's very things? correct. Yeah, yeah, I always I always use full fat yogurt when I'm using it uh, to marinate. Um, if I'm just doing a roast, uh, like roast chicken. On the uh, bar, uh, the barbecue, um, I will use Greek yogurt. If I know that I'm going to be using the marinade in a sauce later, I'll use natural plain yogurt because it doesn't curdle as quickly. Okay, easily. that's a cool top tip then. That was a really good one. So, okay, so you use not not Greek style. You use like uh, standard standard yogurt, full natural fat. Natural plain yogurt, yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. And that's and if you're going to cook that, it to use it as a sauce afterwards. Exactly. So if you see a recipe that comes for, for um, yogurt, just plain yogurt, and it's a curry, you're going to want to put uh, natural plain yogurt. You use that, not not the Greek yogurt, because it curdles too easily. Yeah. And obviously, um, if you do have to use Greek yogurt for your sauce, um, make sure that you just add it about one tablespoon at a time. So whisk it in there and then add a little bit more. Whisk that in and add a little bit more. So you never put it in all at one time. And, and at a lower temperature or... 
Is that important? Uh, just, just, a, just, a, just a simmer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you have it totally boiling and you try and throw some yogurt in, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to curdle. But usually, you know, when you're cooking a curry and stuff, it's just kind of simmering there. And you just put a little bit in at a time, and you're going to be okay. Even with Greek yogurt, you'll be fine. But it, it, I've just found that natural plain yogurt works better for sauces. Cool. Awesome. And, and, and I think the Greek yogurt is better for uh, marinades. And sometimes you have to decide which one you want most. <laughs> <laughs> I might experiment 50-50. I might give it a try. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> right, Dan. That is us. We're actually over the half an hour mark. I'm going to have to say that that's it for today. But thank you very much for coming on. It's been great chatting. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I think we, we could, could carry on asking you and quizzing you about all the recipes from your book all day. We're probably best off just go out and buy the book. So I'll probably do that straight away now. Oh, that's um, great. So, <laughs> so, yeah, if anyone wants to get the book, it's called The Curry Guy. Um, check it out. You can get it in all good bookstores or Amazon. Yeah, Tesco's everywhere, really, anywhere that sells books. Yeah. Um, Tesco even now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you on social media and your website and stuff like that? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm almost always on Twitter. So if you have any questions about my recipes, anything, or just where I talk food, at The Curry Guy on Twitter. And it's the same on Facebook, so at The Curry Guy. Perfect. Awesome. Nice and easy. Cool. Yeah. And my blog, in case you want it, is greatcurryrecipes.net. Awesome, guys. Get on there as well, because that's been going since 2010. So there's lots of... A big, huge wealth of knowledge on there and uh, and get the book. So thank you very much, Dan. It's been great chatting to you. Thank you very much. It's been great. And Thanks we'll chat you. to you soon. Bye. Cheers. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Your United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by Pro-Q, Barbecue Gourmet, Kamado Joe, and Smoke with Shack, our awesome sponsors. ProQ provide quality smoking products with top-notch service and free advice for beginners to pitmasters. And you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under ProQ Smokers. Barbecue Gourmet, supplying the UK and Europe with top championship winning rubs, sauces, marinades, and accessories from the US and around the world. You can find them on Twitter and online under Barbecue Gourmet. Kamado Joe is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Check out kamadojoe.co.uk plus Facebook and Twitter. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. Whether it's smoking wood chunks, dust, chips, or planks, you can find them at smokewoodshack.com. And you can find them on Twitter at smokewoodshack.com.